The following podcast is part of the Joy Road Media family. Enjoy. Minnesota may be the land of 10,000 lakes, but we have 11,000. And guess what? Five of them are great. It's Great Lakes Celebrates with your host, Elena Gonzalez. Every week we celebrate noteworthy Michiganders. I'm Mike Bobbitt. Think of me as the salt in your better maid. And she's the bubbles in your burners. It's Elena Gonzalez. Hi, Mike. Hello. How are you? Good. How is your summer going? You know what really makes me happy, in all honesty? Mm. And I don't want you to get too much of an ego over this. But (laughs) the way you smile when you say hi mike it just puts me in an instant good mood oh i'm that's so that's so sweet i'm glad yeah oh you're so charming well mike and i are gonna go i don't know run through some flowers or something like that just feels very i'm afraid of bugs i don't want to do that Plus, I'm clumsy. There's a good chance I'm going to stomp all over the flowers. What's ridiculous is, as I was saying it, a, a, a scene played in my head of, you know, like a, a a cheesy commercial or something where all of a sudden I would switch from <laughs> leggings into a flowing dress or whatever, and we're, we're frolicking. And in the scene, please don't take offense, but in the scene, you fall over. <laughs> it's like, even in my imaginary skin. Do you or someone goes, you know have high blood pressure? <laughs> that's exactly what it was. One of those commercials where you don't know what it's for until the very end. Ask your doctor if this is good for you. Why is he throwing a football through a tire? Oh. Oh, So all summer we have been, queen of the segue right here, all summer we have been talking about uh, fun family things to do and, uh, you know, places to go, things to see. And we were talking before we started recording, and you mentioned one that I've never heard of before. Yeah, it, it seems like if my psychiatrist was listening to this podcast, she would say, oh, yeah, you do bring up your dad a lot. Mm. <laughs> my dad was really into trains. Okay. So there is not a train in Michigan that I have not ridden. And my son now is really into trains. Aww. So... I'm revisiting all these places that I went to as a kid, and Mm -hmm. I'm finding that they are just as magical as I remember, if not more so, because now I'm doing a thing that I know, you know, it's just different. Yeah, when you're seeing it through his his eyes a little. Yeah. And uh, so the Huckleberry Railroad is one of those kind of like hidden gems. Like everyone knows of the train at Greenfield Village, Mm -hmm. which is amazing, Mm -hmm. but there is... A nice train ride through the historical village with the Huckleberry Railroad, which is up near Flint. Okay. And it is just, it's magical. It oh. is so cool. And it's a nice leisurely and long train ride. And uh, my kid just loved it. And it really <laughs> made me appreciate my dad even more. That's Which was so sweet. Uh, a thing I've been doing more and more. Yeah. Now that I'm a dad and he is gone, so that, yeah. As you were talking about it, I don't think that Wrigley's ever been 
on a train. So we've done, um, we did like a day out with Thomas kind of thing. So we looked at a train and then most of it was going around this um, small little neighborhood, not neighborhood, but uh, like a city and you got to cross the tracks. And so it was all kind of train world. Yeah. Um, But I don't know if he's ever really been on a train. So Hmm. we'll have to check that We'll have to check yeah. that out because that sounds really great. It is. It's really nice. So you were talking about experiencing um, all these things as a parent. And I feel like I've had those moments. And then I think about friends of mine. So I was I was much older when um, when I had my son. You were so mysterious about this. <laughs> One of these days I'm going to get you to nail down exactly. No, you won't. No, I know I won't. <laughs> yeah, I, was, uh, I had a geriatric pregnancy, which is a great ego boost. Um, but growing up, I actually, um, one of my, one of my closest friends, um, had her, her first child, uh, when she was 14. Oh. And, um, I had a couple other friends who were, were pregnant in high school. And so it was something that I was extremely aware of and to watch them go through the experience of being a teen mom and also going to school and trying to figure out and thankfully for them um they all had really strong family structures they all had support and all of them uh finished school but that's not always the case no um in those situations well there is a a u of m student her name is christy wilcox and she has founded uh this i don't know what we should call it a foundation or uh i think i'll go with foundation called she's got grit and she raises money for a scholarship for young parents who are still in high school because she oh, herself wow. found so much more support when she was in college than she did in high school. So the there are a few caveats, but the the money must go towards child care so that way the students can focus on grand on on graduating. It really is that that missing piece that a lot of times people have to choose between you know, am I going to go to school or am I going to care for my child? Because I can't do both. I can't be in two places at once. And yeah, you know, when you're, when you're 16, you may not have a lot of options and a lot of money. So I'm so happy to hear that, that she's doing this. Um, again, it's called, she's got grit and, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. And, and I'm, I know I'm going to, to start supporting it. Oh, absolutely. I I think something like, 50% of all pregnancies are unplanned and you know a good majority of those have to come from younger people yeah and wow that's just that's amazing that's one of those reoccurring things that we've talked about on the show people who have faced a hardship right and want to help out other people yes who may be facing that down the road yes I'm so inspired I know by all and she's a U of M student like that's Michigan's great Michigan is great Michiganders are I'm gonna say it we're the best people yeah around a helping hand oh yeah if you can't if you can't see us because of course you can't because we're not filming video then they wouldn't know that you (laughs) held up the wrong hand (laughs) for Michigan 
It looked right to me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but it looked left to me. <laughs> so this the person that I talked to today is one of those uh, who is doing her part to educate uh, people like me about using the right hand. And uh, I've talked a lot about all of the artists that we've talked to and just yeah. how inspiring that is. And But when I talked to Elise... She is so charming. Yeah. I at one point it, I know it comes up in the interview, but I swore that she should start a YouTube channel and I really hope that she does. I feel like you can't not be charming with the last name like Desjardins. Right. Like right. she just oh, yeah. Yeah. If you if you aren't you're doing it wrong for sure. Yeah. But um but she is what's known as a lake-to-lake SISMA coordinator. Ooh, what's that? You will find out in the okay. interview. But I learned so much, and uh, I'm not ashamed to admit that there have been more than one time at a at a comedy show or or out at a at a drinking establishment where I've brought up things that I learned from Elise. Oh wow! And I look like such a dork. But I absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, she, she brings me so much joy. So so get ready to learn some stuff. Elena Gonzalez, <laughs> edutainer. <laughs> yes, I'm going to. Uh, that's that's the real reason why I want Elise to start a YouTube channel so I can just steal all of her material and, and, yes. and play it <laughs> off of my own. Um, but yes, get, get ready to learn. And uh, here I want to say is, her name again. OK, yeah. do it again. So right after this, Elise Desjardins. Hi, Elise. How are you? Doing really great. I'm so happy that you were able to take some time and chat with us today for very selfish reasons. Um, (laughs) I was reading through your bio and we are as a culture and as a, I don't know, society, whatever the right term is, we are very thirsty for knowledge. And I think that's great, but I have a very bad habit of looking at something and not knowing what it is and immediately going to Google. And as I was reading your bio that happened about six times, (laughs) I was like, nope. You know what? I am so excited to talk to this person. So I'm just going to walk through this bio. So I know that you graduated with a degree in zoology and not to be too stereotypical, but I know that that was a dream for a lot of kids growing up. You'd ask them, you know, what they want to do. And it's always something with animals, but. Oh, absolutely. What in you made it a reality? It's actually a really great question. And I'm not sure uh, I've been asked it too much. I think, um, (laughs) yeah, per every nine-year-old, you like are watching, (laughs) you know, Discovery Channel and Animal Planet um, back before it was like, crazy spinoff series. It was literally just like watch animals on TV. Right. Um, And I remember distinctly saying, how do I get to be the person that's in the Jeep with the binoculars in Africa, watching the cheetahs? Like how do you get that job? That Uh was like my goal. Um, and very quickly figured out that it's some sort of like wildlife biologists. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wildlife biologists have what degrees? And it's usually multiple of them, but I figured I'd at least start undergrad in some sort of biology track, biology sector, um, and was fortunate to find Northern Michigan University having specifically a zoology program, which is like, cool, animals want to do this biology track. 
I think that fits perfectly. Um, so that was how I landed there. And then I ended up staying up here because my hometown is in Southeast Michigan, where it's a little bit flat, a little bit cornfieldy. Mm-hmm. And then you get to the shores of Lake Superior and you kind of just can't leave. There, there's something about it that you just kind of can't leave. Yeah, no, I, I, I can totally, totally see that. So you go up to Lake Superior, you fall in love, you get a degree in zoology, and then what happens next? Um, and then I graduate and I work as a waitress, as an assistant <laughs> at a bakery, as uh, just odd jobs here and there, being like, oh, you need a lot more to be a wildlife manager, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> and so, and kind of figuring out that... Um, undergrad was not just going to cut it. I also kind of had this moment of like, where do I see this taking my career? Mm -hmm. And is that realistic? And what does that mean? And all those fun things that come with what is, what is being a grown up look like? Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, that was kind of a a weird path that I had a little bit just outside of my graduation. Um, And in that time though, I found like a lot of local stuff to get involved in, not necessarily outdoor you know, um, management or anything. It was just local everything. I got invited, like involved in local community, a little bit in local government, started volunteering and kind of realized like, hey, I might want to stay in the UP. I really like it here. Nice. And segued into like, how do I make that work? Mm -hmm. Um, And turns out it wasn't really using my degree. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but it isn't. So, Uh Yeah, I ended up in my current position out of partially sheer luck and partially like I just want to get involved and do something. And now I totally don't do anything with animals. And that's actually okay. Um, (laughs) And most of my job is um, plant management, actually. Which circle of life, you know, managing the plants ultimately helps the animals, which, you know, so you're you're in the same ballpark ish. Yeah. It's natural resource management. Yeah. just not the, you know, safari, uh, cheetah watching that I thought I was going to be doing, uh-huh. but that's okay. <laughs> um, and actually in this line of work, I'm totally okay that I don't have animal management. I think of like invasive species managers in like Florida where they have to go like capture snakes and all that other fun stuff. And I'm like, Nope, I'm dealing plants. That's just fine. <laughs> Uh, do you have the khaki outfit and boots and binoculars for Halloween? Oh, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. As long it's as like you my fallback. <laughs> I can't think of anything. I just like put on field clothes and go yeah. out and I'm like, cool, this is what I look like most of the summer, but it's fun at Halloween. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but your official title is Lake to Lake Sysma Coordinator. Is yeah, that that's right? All yeah, right. Nailed it. <laughs> I understand what the word lake means and I understand what the word coordinator means, but put together in that way, I have no clue what that means. So please help me out. (laughs) Um, So the SISMA part is an acronym for Cooperative Invasive Species Management Area. And if you can say that 10 times fast, you get a cookie or something. (laughs) (laughs) What is the SISMA? Like, what does that actually mean? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, We are these really weird little groups. And um, some of us are not so little, but what we're able to do is kind of work at the scale of how we see invasive species populations. 
And what I mean by that is like plants do not know where your property line is. At all. So, <laughs> um, so plant- you guys are printing maps to hand out to plants. Perfect. Absolutely. Like, could you please respect uh, Dr. Johnson's land over here? He doesn't <laughs> want you here. So there's uh, a lot of really interesting rules when it comes to being a land manager. And the best example I have is like you, for instance, maybe work for the DNR. The DNR can only do work on DNR properties by DNR employees. Uh, so that'll be like, a, you know, a for- state forester can only work at the state park or on state forested lands. That infestation that you're working with and that population of invasive species might go right across that state line border into somebody's backyard. And that landowner might just be like, could you just please, you know, get this while you're out there working anyways? And that answer is no, they're not allowed to. And the same with, um, you know, like a forest service employee, they can only work on national forest lands. Um, what I'm able to do as a CISMA is direct and coordinate this partnership where all these people say, hey, we have an invasion of like, let's say garlic mustard is a very easy um, okay. example, one that we could use. And let's say that garlic mustard patch goes between the national forest, but right up to the state forest, but right butts right up to a private landowner. As long as I have a permission form from all three of those, my crew that I hire can actually work on all three of those properties. So it's a really cool like cross section of being able to work with all these different groups to manage invasive species like at a landscape level and how basically how plants work rather than how people work. Mm -hmm. Because people can only work where people drew those property lines really. And plants just don't care. So it is a really cool program and it's a really cool way to work with a lot of different people and a lot of different groups. These groups exist across the state of Michigan um, and I coordinate one of those groups and our fun flashy title is the lake to lake part. And we came to that because our service area and the area that we cover in the UP covers uh, a central part of the Upper Peninsula where we are hitting both Lake Superior shoreline and Lake Michigan shoreline. So we are the lake to lake sisma. So when you're talking about invasive species management, what does that mean to you? Michigan is fortunate. We don't have like, you know, invasive lizards and snakes and stuff. So um, we're, we're pretty fortunate. Most of the stuff we deal with is plants. However, we do have a couple critters, um, like we have an invasive crayfish. Uh, everybody knows, seems to know about things like emerald ash borer, and we have hemlock woolly adelgid. Those are some insect species. And it is really interesting because not every invasive species is something that SISMAs might work with. Um, my prime example is like the invasive lamprey and the sea lamprey control guys are all out of Fish and Wildlife Service. So oh, it's kind okay. of a sector of like invasive species management where somebody else has that covered. We don't need to step up and do more work with that. They have a beautiful running program. They got it covered. Okay. Um, yeah, so yeah, there are areas where it's like, even if something is invasive, the SISMA might not always be the lead on the project, mm-hmm. but we are certainly here as a resource. So um, yeah, it, it kind of covers just about anything that gets invasive put in front of the title. So. Okay. I have this, <laughs> this image of like a cartoon character of Elise uh, <laughs> in a Jeep with the field gear. And then ultimately you jump out and you're looking after like a little bug. Like I I want to see, I, I would actually watch that show. Um, I would also watch that show. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it really might not be a bad idea. And we're going to have some time before this episode actually airs. So we can we can get some work done before the rest of the world hears this and steals oh our gosh, idea. I would but, love that. <laughs> but I always loved that part. Um, I don't know if you grew up with Mr. Rogers. Oh, for sure. Uh, but that part where they would do the learning part, you know, so they'd have the video on how crayons are made or how this yeah. animal works. And it, it would actually actually be a pretty cool YouTube series if you were doing a thing where you were talking about here's how this bug invades and here's what this plant looks like and so just throwing it out there but (laughs) but I say that to say I'm going to ask you the same question again that I just asked you because you're managing these invasive species but what does that actually mean? Like, are you trying to hunt down these bugs? Are you trying to, I, I can't even think of all the scenarios of, of yeah. what you're, you're doing to come in and save the day. So what does that actually look like? Yeah, uh, that's solid. A solid question. It it's looks probably kinda... a lot more spreadsheets than I'm imagining. And I oh, tons that. of spreadsheets. It's <laughs> kind of nothing but spreadsheets. <laughs> Um, it really, it looks different kind of day to day. It also looks different year to year. It looks different based on, did we find this new thing that just arrived in the state of Michigan? So really it is a very, um, always in influx in changing environment. And so flexibility is like name of the game. What it really starts with is like, what's already here. What Mm -hmm. is basically, we hate to say it, but like a lost cause. Um, Mm -hmm. there are species Mm -hmm. that are basically on every sidewalk on every you know, roadside in that gravelly shoulder area of the roads. Um, there are species that are just here and they're probably just going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say we don't manage them everywhere. There are places where it's like, this is everywhere, except we really, really need to keep it out of this section of beach because piping plovers are living there. And it's really important that their habitat is kept really, really pristine and important. So let's make sure we keep it out of this little like 20 acre area, but it can kind of just fall off our radar other places. Gotcha. Um, So yeah, we have to prioritize like, is it important where we're managing it? What is the species? You know, is it, we just found it yesterday and this is the first detection of it. Then we're going to like put all resources towards it. Cause if that's the only place it is and we can stop it, then cool. Mm -hmm. We have a chance. Otherwise there are places where it's like, this has been here for the last 50 years. And no matter how much you're going to put every last dollar dime and energy into it, it's still going to be there. So knowing where to put your time and effort, knowing what species are important, um, knowing all the different collaborators that need to work on some projects with you, all of that is in a spreadsheet and goes, (laughs) Uh, and like I said, it's different year to year, month to month, sometimes just season to season and, uh, yeah, constantly revolving. But I think that's why it's fun. It's not mm-hmm. really the same all the time. We're always doing new projects, new things. And I like to say, always trying to save the day. I don't know if that's actually accurate though. We, we do the best we can and it's, yeah. it really is an uphill battle. <laughs> it definitely feels save the day-ish. So I know that we are, we being being humans are the problem and solution to a lot of things. Oh, always. <laughs> are there any obvious to you 
tips that may not be obvious to us that we keep screwing up that make your job harder? That's a really good question. I think by now there's a lot of really great messaging out there. And I think people are finally starting to catch on a little bit of like, every time we move and we do something, we are potentially doing something else. Mm -hmm. And whether it was intentional or not, you know, is here nor there. It's just how the world works. It is kind of wild how small uh, our earth gets when you look at how often and where we move and where things come from and go to. And Mm -hmm. I think land managers have probably known that for a little bit, knowing that it's like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden something new landed at a port on a shipment of something. And I think actually, especially now people are realizing how far away things come from and go to so quickly with, you know, I hate to say it, but the supply chain issues, it's like something stuck somewhere. And we're very aware that it is coming on these massive transportation routes across oceans, across continents. Um, So I think it's actually like weirdly worked in our favor that some suddenly people are realizing how far away some of our stuff that we use sometimes day to day is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like on a global scale, but on a local scale, um, there's some real great campaigns out there that more and more people I'm very thankful are becoming aware of. And it's just really simple stuff like, hey, if you're hiking someplace, kick off your boots when you're done. There's also been some really great push for like those signage um, opportunities. Like if you're ever on a hiking trail and there's that little like scrape your boots right before your hiking trail, um, that those have been used more and more these days. And like little actions like that actually go mm. a huge huge way in, um, you know, invasive species management and getting that message out there. So people are catching on and I'm really, really enjoying seeing that. It's, it's been awesome to see people take those little everyday steps. That is really great. And that's something that I never would have crossed my mind. You know, I think about it in the terms of my house, you know, if I was outside hiking, I'm not just going to walk through my house with my boots on. So why wouldn't I think of that in the same realm of the outdoors and going into a new place to kick all the stuff off the boots? And yeah, (laughs) that it. It seems so obvious once you point it out, but yeah, it's not second nature. Where can people go if they have other five-year-old questions that they want to (laughs) learn more about what they can do or how they can help or just what other cool things you guys have going on? Yeah. um, I think this is a great opportunity to shamelessly plug my website. Yes, (laughs) please do. So yeah. um, Lake to Lake Sisma has our our webpage. It's just l2lsisma.org. And all the other Sismas that I kind of mentioned through the state of Michigan um, have similar webpages. And a lot of our websites have all those type of resources. And that's really what we're here for. If we can't help you directly, we are here to point you in the direction of somebody who can get you help. Um, We always want to be there to be that resource to be either the boots on the ground or to get you someplace that will give you all those tools to either do it yourself or to hire somebody out. Um, But being that resource, because a lot of times, a lot of the stuff, like you said, it's it's Google. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. now what? I know what it is, but what do I do now? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that step of what do you do with it is what we're really trying to be here for. That is absolutely fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Elise. And we will welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, we will have your Facebook page and your website all linked below. And uh, I'm I'm telling you, I, I think there's something there with that with that YouTube series. We'll, oh, I love we'll that idea. We'll if I get after. cartoonized after this, I will just be like, <laughs> che- life box check. We're good to go. I made it into a cartoon. I'm so cool with that. Wow, she is charming. 
I know, right? Yeah. You know, you're talking about bugs invading plants and it was engaging and I yeah. I was excited to learn all of the things. So so yeah, now now at your next soiree you can you can tell people that you know what a lake to lake sysma coordinator is. And she definitely needs a YouTube channel. You are one hundred percent. Wouldn't that be right. so adorable? Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of charming our music act this week mm-hmm. is the dad of one of our charming friends. So charming. Lauren Uhalik. Yes. And Lauren used Wham to run Tramick. a comedy show at the Painted Lady in Hamtramck, mm-hmm. which was a little punk rock dive. Mm-hmm. They had old flyers up while papering the bathroom, and I was in there doing my uh, my dirty business <laughs> and uh, saw a flyer for a band called The Mutants, which... Mm-hmm. I was a big fan of, and in fact, uh, my friend Casey Orr, who is the bass player for Guar, was also a big fan of and covered a Mutant song, and it turned out that one of the guys in the Mutants is Lauren's dad. What? So, yes, every it's time... A small I know, I geek out over it, mm-hmm. and she makes nonstop fun of me for it. He is also the front man for the legendary Detroit band, the Polish Muslims. And uh, we're going to play an original by them. Nice. That's why God invented Polka. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. If you've never been to a Polish Muslim show, it is a riot. Yes, shame on you if you have not gone. Yeah, and it's funny too because literally every single person in a sold-out venue... (laughs) Is somehow related yes, to yes. Lauren Uhalik. Uh-huh. Yeah. Polish Muslims, that's why God invented Polka. We'll see you next week on Great Lake Celebrate. Hand. Lo and behold, there stood a wedding man.